everyone, this is Frank Riker. And this is Darren Sands. And this is a Slaughtered Lamb podcast. All right, Darren, we challenged ourselves this week, didn't we? We did. We did. We did. We decided to do something a little bit different. Yeah, we decided to give our, well, not the best, but our favorite Haunted House movies. Yeah, yeah. We um, we had a look at, well, I had a look at, at um, with a, a little bit of help from the internet to kind of refresh my memory, at Haunted House movies. And I tried to pick some kind of haunted house movies that was that was slightly different i didn't want to go for the kind of you know the 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 conjuring and uh, insidious and some of the more recent kind of entries into that genre so i tried to kind of pick a sort of wide range of haunted house films going from haunted house movies for kids all the way through to haunted house movies for adults and also uh, teens as well so you know let's give this a shot let's see what you've got frank yeah, so on my list, you know, because you and I both have, we both gave each other our list because we didn't want to double double up on what we were going to say was our favorite Haunted House movies, which we didn't, we don't have a duplicate, which is amazing. Second, my list has nothing to do with ghosts or spirits. Um, it's basically just the house is its own entity on my list. That's what I came up with. So my first, and I'm going to get this right out, is uh, 1979's Amityville Horror. Yeah, I absolutely love this movie. I've never seen it in the theater. I saw it later on, probably the early, mid-90s, and I absolutely loved it. I was like, this is this is fantastic. James Brolin was great. He played that father that I could see go nuts, <laughs> but he was acting <laughs> acting kind of nice. And Margot Kidder was was beautiful in this and uh the one thing that i that stuck out with me was the creepy score that got an academy award nomination in 1980 and also wasn't it um lala schifrin yeah lala schifrin yeah 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 correct did all the dirty harry stuff yeah and and also the windows of the house look like they have eyes that's, yeah, it's a creepy-looking house to be. Yeah, in. That, that's yeah. that's what stuck me. Plus, with the children, you know, singing and everything, it was like, of course, this is going to be a haunted house movie. Uh, of course, if everyone knows about it, it, deals with the Lutz family experiencing, you know, supernatural forces. Uh, in the beginning, you have that eerie and and gory. Well, it's not really gory, but the tragic uh, DeFeo murders, where he's going around and killing his all his whole family. In the beginning of it, you know, I, I liked the movie, you know, um, and, and it all dealt with like the house was its was the passage to hell. It dealt with you know satanic rituals and and everything. And um, Rod Steiger as the priest as he's trying to give the blessing, and all the flies are coming around him, <laughs> you know, and he's coughing up, you know. It it seems like anyone who was religious that stepped in the, stepped in that house automatically felt some kind of evil. And I also laughed that there was one moment in Scary Movie 2 where James Wood <laughs> recreated that, but he was on the toilet and all the flies are on him. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, yeah, yeah. He's like, now for the blessing, they see the flies on the window and he's, 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 he's like, uh, you know. Chitting. He's shit, yeah. <laughs> but, he's, but he's being, he's strenuous, you know, like Rod was. You know, he was like, oh, God, let this demon out. And he's on the toilet. And you hear the shit come out of him. <laughs> and he's opening the window and pushing the flies out. Uh, that's what I think everyone's <laughs> going to remember from Amityville Horror is James Wood's scene. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and the, the funny thing is that it was, 
the highest grossing independent film of all time. Passing wow. Halloween. And Did it you, really? Yeah. And it wasn't surpassed until 1990 when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out. <laughs> which, you know, which you think, you know, would probably surpass it anyway because, you know, who didn't go see, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yeah, and uh, I absolutely love this movie. And from what I understand, the um, the critics hated it. They absolutely yeah. hated it. it. It was kind of frowned upon when it came out. And I, it sold as being based on, on some on true events. Now, how much of it do you think is actually true? Probably 25% of it, to tell you the truth. Because, um, of course, there were murders there. You know, But was it was a supernatural... I don't think so, you know, and the new owners now say there hasn't been anything happening since they bought it. That's because uh, they got rid of those windows. Yeah, they, they changed the addresses, <laughs> you know, they changed the address oh, really? of the house so no one could come there and, and still take a shot at it, try to get in. But with today's day and age of technology, you think anyone can actually stay hidden and, and just yeah. because you change an address and change, you know, a bunch of windows. Uh, Roger Ebert, the famous critic uh, said, <laughs> and, and it's, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not really quoting him. He said, he called it a depressing horror <laughs> movie. <laughs> horror. Horror. A horror. I thought he said a depressing horror. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said it was a depressing That's horror a, movie. <laughs> wow, a depressing horror would be a real um, slur, wouldn't it, for your, yeah, it would, it would <laughs> your film? Yeah, yeah, you know, it would actually be something Barry Norman would say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure he didn't like it. Oh, what a depressing whore. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Roger Ebert did say it was the movie was depressing. I mean, it's it's a movie about a haunted house, for Christ's <laughs> sakes. You want, like, you know, people and kids laughing and throwing, you know, gingerbread cookies around. I mean, come on. I don't know, did you ever... Do you have any fond memories of seeing this? I, I, um, yeah, I remember seeing it on TV when I was a kid. I remember being, you know, creeped out by it. I was probably it was probably in the early '80s, I think. And and the one scene that really stuck out in my head as a kid, and when you look back at it now, it's kind of you know a bit freaky, but um, not particularly effective. But it was the window when the when the window slams down on the kid's hands. And the two guys are trying to lift it up, and no matter how hard they're trying, they can't lift it, and and it's blood pumping out all over the place, and you know it's a really creepy, and and I think it was more creeped out by the fact that his hands were stuck rather than the actual fact that the house had done this to him, because <laughs> it's a, it's one of those horrible accidents that you don't wish on anybody. But um, yeah, I think you know I, I enjoyed the movie, and and you know I've looked back at it a few times. It spawned, you know, God knows how many sequels and remakes. I don't know how many of them were. I think I've seen the first. I think I think I saw the sequel to it, and that was it. I think I gave up after that. The second one had Burt Young in it, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Don't remember it being particularly good. But yeah, the original, I would say, is 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 a fun seventies movie. Yeah, definitely. I think it belongs to be in that. Um, in this category, you know, of, of haunted houses. Now, Darren, how about yours? Well, I wanted to start off with um, with an Amblin film, uh, which came out in oh my god, mid two thousands, mid to late two thousands, 
which is this beautifully animated Amblin film uh, with almost Pixar level of animation called Monster House. It's an old-fashioned story of an old house on a, on a street, which guy that lives in there doesn't want anybody going near it, doesn't want anybody on his lawn. Um, and the young boy that lives opposite, for whatever reason, I think he has to retrieve a ball from the lawn of the house. And um, he goes over there and the owner comes out and you get this, this really awkward confrontation between this old guy and this kid. The old guy is played by Steve Buscemi and he starts to threaten the kid on the lawn. And as he's threatening him, he has this heart attack and drops dead right on his own front lawn. What happens after that is that the kids get curious about the house and what's in there. And so they decide to decide to venture in there, which kicks off this whole, you know, adventure. It's a particularly really creepy scene in this film, which for me doesn't belong in a kid's animated movie. And there's this sequence at night when when um, the young lad who, who's called DJ, is he's in bed and he can see straight across the road to the old house. And all of a sudden his phone rings in his bedroom and he picks up the phone and it just goes dead. There's nothing there at all. He then does what you guys call Star 69, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back then, yeah. yeah, Star 69. <laughs> Star 69, which we don't have over here. Ours is 1471. Um, Jesus. So he, he star, yeah, yeah, he star 69s it. And right in the distance across the road, you can hear a phone ringing in the house. So he knows the calls come from opposite, but yet the owner has just died. So he goes to bed really creeped out by it. And he leaves his windows open ever so slightly. And the shadow of the house looms into his bedroom the shadow all of a sudden starts forming into the shape of a hand in his bedroom within the moonlight and the hand kind of reaches down to grab him on the bed now for me this sequence you know I, uh, I was I don't know I was in my mid-30s at the time when this first came out I was creeped the hell out by this sequence. You're like, what the fuck? This is a yeah, kid's what, movie? What kid's going to think of this? <laughs> it has all that kind of um, fantastical sort of ingredients of a, of a Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's produced by him. I think Zemeckis had, had a production credit on as well. It was directed by a young guy called Gil Keenan, who's gone on to do some other things since. But nothing he's done has quite, you know, been at the level of this, which I thought was just a terrific, scary movie for kids. So that's my first choice is 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 Monster House. Could could they have done that movie with practical effects if they made it live action instead of animation? Um, I think if you'd have done it, if 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 this movie had been done as as a live action movie, then it would have been very similar to things we've already had or, or we've had recently you know it'd be very similar to a sort of Goonies type movie Poltergeist. and also it'd be yeah uh, not so much Poltergeist but uh, it would have a similar sort of feel to Goosebumps if you saw that but yeah uh, for me Monster House is a great kids animated film and for adults too yeah yeah absolutely so my next one is probably my all time favourite Haunted House Movie, but we're not going in, you know, from least to favorite. Um, I'm just saying it's it's one of my top, but it's my favorite on this list is 1959's House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price, d- directed by William Castle. 
Vincent Price. And you're invited to my party in the house on Haunted Hill, where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. So won't you come and make it eight? You'll see human heads without bodies. <coughs> Mysterious pools of blood dripping from the ceiling. The walls move slowly in against you. Don't try to escape, you can't. You ready, dear? No. Are you ready, dear? Yes, damn you. The ghosts are waiting, so won't you join me in the house on Haunted Hill? Hurry, or you'll be late for your own funeral. This movie, if nobody has seen it, is in public domain. So you can go on YouTube or any streaming service and look it up. It's an absolute fantastic black and white creepy horror movie that you don't think is could be about ghosts. It could not be about ghosts. Uh, there's foul play afoot. Uh, deals with a man, you know, trying to have a party with his wife uh, in this haunted house, giving the occupants or the I should say the guests um, ten thousand dollars, which is the equivalent of eighty-three thousand dollars today, to spend a night in this house um, as part of his wife's birthday present, which she doesn't want to be involved with. It has some. It's it's about. It's the atmosphere. The opening is a woman screaming on a dark screen, and you hear some kind of eerie figure moaning and then laughing. And then all of a sudden, you see um, a guy called Pritchard uh, come onto the screen. Uh, just his head just floats in. He tells you about the house, how there's been four murders there. Um, he's the only one to survive it. He owns the house, and when they found him, you know he was bare. He was barely alive, and you know it's the ghosts are moving tonight, and they're hungry. And he fades out, and then you get this. Vincent Price comes in with his big head, <laughs> fades in, <laughs> moves right in, and you know he tells you the story, like you know, I'm having a party. You're all invited. And you're telling the audience that, you know, you're breaking the fourth wall. You're all invited, and those who stay will get $10,000. Now, the reason why I like this movie so much is because Pritchard believes this house is haunted. And there's some indication that it is. You know, there's a head here. You know, there's a creepy hand that comes out. Um, but Vincent Price, in the way he acts in it, you, didn't, you don't think it's haunted. You think this is trying to get revenge and adding a scare factor. Uh, that's why I love about this movie. Um, it's the poster for it is fantastic uh, because back then, if uh, Darren, you'll know this, they painted stuff. You know, it, it, it had a two hundred thousand dollar budget and it made one point five million back in nineteen fifty nine. Two hundred thousand dollar budget in nineteen fifty nine. Yeah, I don't know what the equivalent wow. is now. Uh, it's got to be. It had to be. It has to be a lot. Yeah, with a, a 1.5 million box office. And the, ex the exterior shots of the house is an actual architectural building called the Enos House, uh, designed by uh, the famous uh, Frank, Lloyd, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. And uh, this was actually one of the movies that started what they call Emergo, which is when movie theaters actually started 
You know, if there was uh, a mist on screen, there would be fog machines in the theater. You know, and for this one, at the end, when there's a skeleton, they had skeletons come down from the ceiling. <laughs> and people would see skeletons, like, all moving around and, and everything in the theater. What was the process called again? Emergo. Emergo. Like emerging out of the the screen, you know, and uh, I don't know if that was popular out in the UK where it was like Stinkovision, you know. All right, yeah, or Tingler. Yeah, the Tingler, but they would would shock the bottom of the... uh, Of the chairs. Of the chairs. And the movie went out and faded out and Vincent Price says, everyone stop where you are, the Tingler's afoot, you know. (laughs) I don't think we ever had anything like that. It sounds fun, but um, the only thing that I can think of that we had was was a thing called Sensoround, which came in, I think, when Earthquake was released, and it was basically a, a like a, a subwoofer box at the hidden in the auditorium, so that every time that the earthquake happened, you'd just get this sort of rumbling in the auditorium, and and that was it. It was kind of like an early like base unit I think um, and people would come out going oh that was marvellous wasn't it but Jesus if those people experience what goes on in theatres today Gee, with the yeah. likes of um, <laughs> you know the, the digital sound and, and 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 this thing we've got now called 4DX which is kind of a similar thing to what you're talking about with, with the Vincent Price film whereas you've got fucking shit dangling in your face and air being shot at you and water and, and you know all manner of things but um yeah, no, I like a, I, I like the idea of a, a kind of immersive experience like that, particularly in the 50s, where it's kind of unregulated and, uh, you know, health and safety wasn't an issue. <laughs> I, I can't imagine them doing it now. Could you imagine them releasing, like, the perfect storm and giving everybody life preservers? And say, <laughs> all right, we're going to flood the auditorium as soon as the big wave comes. You know, <laughs> you can't do that. Or, or watching uh, Scarface and then throwing a ball of cocaine at people you know <laughs> or basic in, basic instinct yeah no you, you can't do that um but this movie is is one of my favorites i wish i could find the poster but the they they do sell the original poster but people want a minimum of ten thousand u.s dollars for it wow um, of course because it's you know it's it's you know over 40 years old i mean over yeah. 50 years yeah. old um, but yeah, it's it's one of my top top haunted house movies because it puts that in your mind that it couldn't be a haunted house. It can be a haunted house. Uh, it could be about revenge, and plus you don't know who survives the night because at the end of the movie you hear a, a laugh and a scream again, and the gates close and it just says the end. You don't know if they make it, but you don't know if they're really in any kind of uh, the stress either so that's why I like this movie I'll continue, I'll watch it every time it comes on so Darren the next on your list the next on my list so going up kind of age wise I would because this film was was kind of brought out with a quite low rating in the UK um, for for 15 year olds um, I'm gonna go with 1986's um, House Excellent. Directed, yeah, directed by um, uh, Steve Miner, who directed Friday the 13th Part 2, if I'm right. Correct. Yeah, I am yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And Halloween H2O. Um, oh. Yeah, so... so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's pick out that one. This is a house where no one should live. <laughs> 
Roger Cobb has come here alone. But no one is ever alone in the house. Leave while you can. No! Sandy. has found a new home. House. Enter at your own risk. So House, yeah, what can we say about House? So it's, it's an ex-Vietnam vet who's now a writer. He um, He's re- recently had a, quite a bit of trauma in his life, you know, Vietnam for one, uh, losing a, a friend of his in Vietnam. Um, also losing his aunt who committed suicide and also his son who's gone missing recently and his, his marriage has kind of fallen apart. So he moves into his um, into his aunt's house who's recently committed suicide to um, to see if he can, he can uh, get rid of his writer's block and continue to write. It's not long before things, odd things start happening in, in the house which is, is, is clearly haunted in some way. But also plays on on his on his fears as well. He kind of has all these nightmares, which I think the house is sort of embellishing a lot more about his time in Vietnam and his missing son. And he realizes that the house is a gateway to kind of to find his son and face up to face up to his fears and his nightmares that he had in Vietnam. It's William Cat, who we saw in in Carrie and and uh, a great TV show, sorry, called uh, I don't know if you remember the Greatest American Hero. Where he played a really kind of shitty superhero that that couldn't fly properly, and I always remember that as a kid. It was great fun, like the um, flying nun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and we've also got uh, Kay Lenz in here. Uh, George Went is is one of his neighbours, and Big Ben, who's his um, buddy in Vietnam. Now I can't remember now. Does he accidentally? Does he have something to do with his death that was accidental? I believe. I believe he couldn't kill him because the 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 Viet Cong would have yes. tortured him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they would have kept him alive and kept torturing him. And it, they knew his, and uh, he knew that yeah, his, I think... his gunshot wound or whatever was fatal. Yeah, yeah. He and and Ben's basically pleading with him to to kill him, but he doesn't. And, and Ben's played by Richard Moll, who fucking giant of a geezer. He's absolutely huge. But yeah, I always again I went to see this as a teenager. I um, loved it at the time. You know, it had all the the right ingredients for me. Not least the the, the filmmakers behind it, the guys behind Friday the Thirteenth. Um, but also, it's it's a fun film. It's not one minute you're laughing, one minute you're um, you're screaming. Um, some of the um, prosthetics and things are slightly questionable these days, like that closet monster that that pops out every so often. But, you know, the final showdown when he's trying to rescue his son and he's squaring off against Big Ben, who's now this kind of zombified uh, soldier, is is good stuff. And uh, the house is a gateway to, to, you know, he goes back into Vietnam at one point. It's kind of his recurring nightmare that he's entering. But, but yeah, it's, it's a really solid um, mid-80s horror comedy the, where the house is a is a is the main feature, and, and um, as I said, I wanted to do something that kind of 
transcends all ages. And, you know, I believe this one sits right in the middle, um, you know, with Monster House at the start, House second, uh, and then as we go up my scale, we'll see things get increasingly more violent and depressing. I actually agree with you with House. You know, for, for that type of movie, it's not dark. It's, it's mostly brightly lit. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you could see everything. Uh, you know, I, I agree. The uh, house is, you know, I think it's one of those uh, movies that if it's on TV or, you know, you, know, you, know, you don't normally go out of your way to find it and watch it. But if it's on, you'll you'll watch it while still doing like your dishes in the background and just leave it yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I like house. Very nice. Yeah, it's, it's it's always welcome on my TV, and I know we've done we've done a few things on McRae live with it, and uh, yeah, it's been enjoyable. It's been enjoyable. So on my list, my next is 1997's Event Horizon. Now stick with me. It's not a haunted house. <laughs> it's a haunted ship. It's a haunted ship. <laughs> so it's it's something we can live in, like like that. What's what's more scarier than space? You know, especially being stuck in something. So it's not like Alien. Uh, so if anyone's never seen this movie, I mean, I mean, come on, it's it's what twenty three years old. Um, it's it's not Alien. Not everything in space is aliens. Uh, but this stars Sam Neill as Doctor Weir and Lawrence Fishburne as Captain Miller, and directed by a. I guess a, a household name now, Paul W. S. Anderson. Uh, yeah, who's had a kind of uh, <laughs> had a bit of a varied, you know, uh, career, hasn't he? I think. Yeah, you this- know, it's he's coming off when he's he's directing this movie, coming off the success of Mortal Kombat. And even that was shit. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, it may have been a success, but it was awful. It's it's awful now. It's continued to be awful. It will always be awful. But back then, you know, probably it is today too. Box office receipts can't lie. You know, but yeah, he it had a budget of sixty million, was one of the highest because you know lightning could strike twice with Paul W S Anderson, uh, but it only did twenty six million at the box office. You know, which it's- is a flop. Yeah, and it's but it's also kind of you know it it's it's quite a credible movie, and people still do look back on it and think that it was underrated at the time. Correct. It got some of its budget back because the DVD sales sales increased. Mm. Now this dealt with a movie where a spaceship was on experimental journey, it disappeared, and it popped up all of a sudden, and Doctor Weir. He's the one who invented the ship, and he's asking Cap- Captain Miller and his crew, let's go out there and see what was wrong with it. So they get on board, and all these strange things have been happening. They see visions of the dead, visions of past relatives, visions of old comrades, and Dr. Weir tells everybody that this ship is made to go interdimensional. And later on, they find out it went to hell, or the dimension known as hell. <laughs> And they start seeing blood all over the place. People start dying in the gruesomest way. Uh, so the ship is technically haunted by going to hell, being possessed by something. And unfortunately, this movie doesn't get a lot of credit because out of the 96, this movie was originally be released for 96 minutes in the theaters. It's supposed to be 130. 
So they chopped out nearly 40 minutes of it, which included more killing, uh, a little boy with maggots on his decrepit, useless legs, and a blood orgy. <laughs> and, and we see a part of this movie where, you know, they were investigating what happened to the former team of this ship. Uh, they, really quick, they see, you know, people getting pulled apart, you know, blood all over the place. There was actually supposed to be rape scenes in it. Uh, Paul hired actually porn stars to actually act out rape scenes and everything. Oh. <laughs> so when they did the test screening, people threw up and fainted. And the studio was like, no, we can't show this. Because it was originally going to be labeled that dreaded of all labels, NC-17. Which is basically, as we talked about in previous uh, podcasts, that's just wasteland for movies. You can't even show. Which is what in the, is in the UK? It's 18? Anything that's an 18? Uh, well, no. I mean, it, it, an 18 is the highest rating. We do get away with some NC-17s being 18. But I think if it was if it was worse than an 18, then it probably wouldn't get released. Uh, yeah. Either it would, would need significant <laughs> cuts or they wouldn't. Re- it would be unreleasable. And it, it would- doesn't happen often. Um, but, you know, for example, Showgirls, NC-17 in the US, 18 here. Crash, if you remember that, Cronenberg's Crash, mm-hmm. NC-17 in the US, 18 here. So it, it's, it rarely happens. But it sounds like it may have happened with Event Horizon. <laughs> it, it did. It, you know, and they, the critics hated it, of course. But except for one person who gave Paul W.S. Anderson some encouragement was Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell came up to him and said, don't worry about the film. It'll be a culture icon in a few years. Which it has. Uh, and you know why, why there's a relationship there? Why? I don't know. Sol- I don't... Soldier? Soldier, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he did Soldier, which is not a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you know what? Some of the... They, they had the cuts. You know, it's a, there's 130 minute, and it's all on VHS. You know, And what do they do with these copies? Because they couldn't let the, the public see this, and it can't be so, uh, seen in the light of day. Was that they shoved it in a Transylvanian salt mine. <laughs> they put all the movies, all the footage, in a salt mine where it deteriorated all this time. All that extra so, footage. So you can't get it anywhere. You can't get less, a version of it uncut. Without being damaged, they say. Now, there's a current release in March of 2021 for an ultimate special edition of Event Horizon. Now, other editions have come out. What else they could put on there? I don't know. But people say you have to have the extra 40 minutes on there. That's what we want to see. That's I agree with them. I want to see the blood orgies. <laughs> you know, uh, I just can't not, and you may know this better than me, somebody has to have a copy of something without saying, oh yeah, everything is destroyed. We can't produce, you know, the extra footage. Somebody has to uh, have, it's, you it's, know. It's difficult. I mean, you know, they, back then it would have been made on film, um, film negatives, um, deteriorate over time, especially in a salt uh, and, mine. And, and, <laughs> unless, yeah, unless it's been, unless there's a version of his 
uh, director's cut in a uh, vault, um, then it may be lost for good. And we know that from a lot of the the footage that's gone missing from the various Friday the 13th movies, that when people were asked to, to cut things out back in the day, they would just chuck it away. You know, they, they'd cut it out and no one would think to store it because there's a cost involved with storing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the film company, if they've insisted on cutting it out, they're not going to pay to store it. It's it's a, it's a really difficult one. It's something that comes up in my line of work all the time, and and uh, these things just get lost. And and you know, when when rights change hands as well, when different, you know, because certain studios may only have rights for things for twenty years, and when right rights change hands, different people get involved, and then things get moved and. They just get lost, you know. It's 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 a sad state of affairs. Nowadays, though, with digital, everything's just stored on a hard drive, and you know it's it's still there. You can pick this stuff up still, and you will be able to for years to come. Um, but unfortunately, pre kind of mid two thousands, which is when digital started coming in, um, or late two thousands, all that stuff that was made on film unless somebody's really taking care of it and really paying to take care of it. And a lot of it's just gone for good, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's. I've read the comments for um, the, Blue, the Blu-ray release on Shout Factory, well, Screen Factory as their division. And a lot of the comments are like, you know, bullshit. They have a copy. No one's saying that they have a, you know, that they don't have it. Well, a lot of people are saying, no, we don't have it. But... A lot of people do believe in this day and age that people just don't throw 40 minutes of a movie out, which is possible. It would be done. It yeah, it would be possible. Um, it would, you know, I, I, I experience this all the time, you know, think directors finish movies, they just leave everything behind and move on to the next film. They don't take piles and piles of films with them, and the studios, this you know, be they're popular onto, one day. Yeah. Once they've created the master of the version that they're going to release, um, nine times out of ten, they move on. They just move on to the next thing. And things get, you know, uh, particularly back in the day when it was filmed, things would get thrown into vaults. And then when it, they get a bill one day for storage costs, somebody who's new to the business will go through that list and go, do we need this anymore? And they'll go, no, no, we don't. Just get rid of it. If we're paying for it, we don't need it. Get rid of it. And that's what happens, unfortunately. I have first-hand experience of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. Everything's in a salt mine in Transylvania. <laughs> That's where they all keep them. Um, but I have to say one thing that even though the critics did hate this movie, the there was there was a lot of fans, especially a magazine called Time Out Magazine over here, that said for Fear Factor and Scares, the the one writer compared it to Halloween in 1978. As wow, <laughs> yeah, as being. That's that scary and, and everything. That's, and, of course, that was his opinion. I hope that when the new release comes out on Blu-ray, and it's supposed to be the ultimate director's cut or edition or whatever, even on the um, even on Screen Factory's website, they don't have the list of what it's going to be. Of course, there's director's commentary still. Everything that was in their past uh, releases, they don't have, they said, more details to come. So I'm really going to wait for this and see if they actually have 40 minutes. 
And maybe it's it, hopefully it's not going to be like someone drawing a, a storyboard and say this is the move, this is what it was supposed to be, this is what's supposed to be. But as you say, you know, film, including you know eight millimeter, sixteen, and even VHS tape, you know, that could be lost with conditions. Yeah. Well, I I saw it back when it first came out, and I haven't seen it since. Um, and I did I did enjoy it. I I do. Uh, my wife said to me recently, "We need to watch that again." But I've held off because of that um, uh, Scream Factory um, edition that's coming out. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. They always do good things with their releases. So uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so my next one's an obvious one. I, I couldn't not put this in. The reason why it's above uh, House in my kind of transcending generations list of of um, of haunted house movies or houses of horror um, is because um, over here in the UK it wasn't a PG movie it was it was a higher rating and that's Poltergeist which again is is one of these movies that that no matter how many times it's just it even though it's not directed by Spielberg it just smells of Spielberg it looks like Spielberg everything about it the location the performances the, the, the set pieces, everything about it looks like Steven Spielberg. And, you know, there are people out there who, who say that Toby Hooper was 100% in control of this movie um, and Spielberg popped popped in and out now and again. I'm not sure I believe that because to- Toby Hooper's not produced anything like this before or after. It's a proper Spielberg film. And, you know, the really sad thing about it is, is, is you know... Everybody in that film gives it their all. It's a it's a terrific adventure story. Some of the most creepiest set pieces that we've ever seen, particularly in the horror genre. And the really sad thing about it is the the fate of some of the cast members. You know, um, Heather O'Rourke, who who died, you know, only a few years later, um, at a really young age, just midway through filming uh, Poltergeist Three. Uh, she played um, Carol Ann in the film, the girl who gets um, sucked into the TV. Um, she sadly died. The other thing that not a lot of other people know is that uh, Dana Freeling, Carol Ann's sister, played by Dominic Dunn, was actually murdered not long after the film came out. Um, and she's the sister of Griffin Dunn from American Wolf in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had a, I believe she had a, some sort of stalker or something like that. Who Her boyfriend. Att- yeah, attacked and killed her, knifed her to death, and you know that's just the the film. You know, it's almost like a a, a sort of bad luck chalice. For decades now, been one of my favourite horror movies, and um, yeah, I love everything about it. Um, right down to the last scene when they chuck the TV out on the balcony at the motel. <laughs> I, but, uh, I I remember seeing that movie, and uh, you know what part scared me was the guy peeling his face off. That's horrible. I mean, you know, you can argue nowadays it, it looks a bit slightly dated, but uh, it's a practical effect, and I believe Spielberg used his own hands to to pull the the prosthetic head apart. But yeah, that's a and how that got a PG in the US, I've no idea. The guy pulls his own fucking head apart on camera. <laughs> I'm glad it's on your list. It's absolutely... I think it was one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Back then, yeah. Yeah. It, it's um, 
It's a big movie. I mean, and it almost feels like it's really weird when you watch it. And this is why I say that I'm I'm 100% convinced that Spielberg had more of a hand in this film than being just the producer. Was that it feels like it's in the same universe as E.T. Everything about it, the setting, those kind of, you know, that I, I believe it's California, the, those, those sweeping shots over the top of California from the, from the top of the hills. Um, and, and, and the kind of, the, the area where they live as well. Feels like that they were probably filming E.T. and Poltergeist at the same time, which I know they were kind of very close together. But that that sort of middle class white suburban American uh, family, um, everything about it just feels like it it belongs in the ET universe, being neighborly and everything, and even <laughs> yeah. changing each other's channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, stacking each other's chairs. You know, it's. Um, do you believe in is. the poltergeist curse? Uh, from that movie, yeah. Do you believe I, that the I whole thing I, is I, cursed? I don't know whether. I mean, there's a lot more to it than the two deaths that, that we've spoken about. But um, I don't know if I believe any of these things. I think that you know, it could be the color of their egg yolk, for God's sake. Do you know what I mean? That caused all these things. It, it's it's it's. Uh, I think if you if you if you look hard enough, you'll find things. But. For me, I I just think that, that there was a lot of tragedy around that film. I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's any curse or anything. But particularly, you know, everybody really remembers the little girl dying at a very young age. But it, when you look into it and you hear what happened to um, uh, to, to to the other girl in the film, that's just horrific. And you know, I don't even think it was it was it was not long after the movie was released that that happened. It certainly so wasn't. It certainly wasn't. Uh, that horrible tragedy certainly wasn't anything supernatural. But yeah, an, a, an awesome haunted house movie. Probably the, one of the ultimate haunted house movies. Now, do you believe when people say, you now you probably know some special effects artists, um, and I, I've, I've heard and watched what some people have said in interviews, that it's cheaper to buy skeletons than it is to make them. <laughs> I've heard this. So this, you're talking about the sequence in the swimming pool at the end when everybody starts falling in. Correct. Trying to escape the house. <laughs> and all these, because the, 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 the house, we'll try not to give away too much just in case people haven't seen the film that want to check it out. The house is built on an old graveyard. And when they're trying to escape the house, they fall into this kind of newly constructed or partially constructed swimming pool. And some of the coffins start popping out into the into the pool which is flooding the coffins open up and the skeletons come out and there's rumors that they actually used real skeletons in this sequence now how true that is i don't know something that everybody picks up on when you talk about this film but you know i don't know where they would get those from whether they got them for medical purposes and just chuck them in there or i don't know it's it's part of me is a kind of sick part of me that likes to think that's true and that poor Joe Beth Williams was wrestling with an actual real dead body in that swimming pool but I don't know you son of a bitch you moved the cemetery but you left the bodies didn't you you son of a bitch you left the bodies and you only moved the headstones you only moved the headstones so Darren, no uh, donating your body to science anytime soon. No, no not at the moment. <laughs> not anytime soon. <laughs> hey, look, there's Darren on Poltergeist 30. <laughs> <laughs> 
He just propped up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love Poltergeist. I, I, it's it's uh, it's a good movie. It's it's it goes by quick. I think it's like about a two hour movie. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a fairly it's a fairly swift movie. Um, again, not a lot of fat on it, but plenty going on. It's uh, it's a great watch. So my next one is maybe not a lot of people have heard this. Uh, 1976's Burnt Offerings, starring a fellow countryman of yours, Oliver Reed, the great Oliver Reed. Legendary Oliver Reed. Uh, The very uh, sexy Karen Black, and one of the all-time greatest of Hollywood actresses, Betty Davis. And Burgess Meredith. And Burgess Meredith. How could I forget about Burgess Meredith? Um, and a uh, lesser-known actor, but people will know him as a great character actor, Anthony James, um, whose first role was with Sidney Portier and In the Heat of the Night, uh, playing the uh, uh, the gentleman who wants his uh, girlfriend to get an abortion and owned a, uh, a diner. Yeah, he, he played the creepy chauffeur in this movie. But what this movie for me is, is this is the quintessential... There's that word. Uh, this is the quintessential house being haunted. Well, it's actually kind of not a, a house that's haunted. It's kind of a... The house is actually a living creature, just like, you know, Monster House was. Um, deals with this family uh, wanting to rent the house for the summer, getting out of the city. And all these things started happening. Uh, you see Karen Black's uh, character, Marion, uh, start cleaning the house... Well, worshiping materialistic things, Oliver Reed being, you know, he's he's a great dad in this, uh, but he almost tries to kill his son in the pool, not knowing what he was doing uh, until his son, uh, Davey, hits him in the nose with the uh, goggles. But as far as I've read and known about Oliver Reed, he could probably take that. <laughs> and uh, Betty Davis' uh, character, Aunt Elizabeth, through um, Oliver Reed's character, Ben, you know, she comes along with him, but, you know, breaks her back, starts getting older. It's because this house is sucking the energy and the life force out of him. When someone dies or someone gets hurt, you will see a window being replaced or the fountain in the garden starts getting, um, you know, getting fixed. And it looks like it's been repainted. Light bulbs start working. Yes. Uh, you know, the light bulbs start working. Uh, the greenhouse all the plants start blooming. And this is especially show uh, shows when Elizabeth dies, Betty Davis. This house is instilling fear into this uh, into this family. And the trailer for it is awesome. What you know, something to the uh, line of what will possess this woman? What will scare this man, terrify this child? It is burnt offerings. It all began as a summer vacation. A young family found a beautiful old house. It had secluded, spacious grounds, a large swimming pool, magnificent furnishings. So you are the people who want to rent this house. Well, you mean it's $900 and then it's all ours? Well, there is one other thing. It's hardly a catch. They thought it was the answer to their dreams, but it was the beginning of a nightmare. In this old house, up this staircase, behind this locked door, something lives, something strange, something powerful, 
something evil. Stay away from that door! It will possess this woman. It will destroy this man. It will terrify this child. And no one can stop it. Burnt Offering. Starring Karen Black. Are you actually trying to tell me that this house is responsible? Oliver Reed. This house is destroying us. Betty Davis. This house is getting so cold. Burgess Meredith. And this house will be here long, long after you have departed, you believe me? Eileen Heckert. God, when it comes alive, tell them about it. Tell them what it's like. This door lies a horror beyond imagination. Who is it? Where did it come from? What does it want? When you find out, it will be too late. Burnt Offerings. So the Anthony James is this recurring haunting figure of a hearse driver that keeps popping up in visions of uh, Oliver Reed, and he just freaks out and gets really, you know, scared. Now I I don't think Oliver Reed was ever scared of anything. <laughs> <laughs> He's and, kind of like the guy from the, this this tall guy, the chauffeur driver, is kind of like the guy from Twin Peaks. Yeah, um, it keeps popping up in the visions. Um, who also played um, Lurch in the Adams Family movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's a he's a creepy dude, and it's that bit when Oliver Reed has that dream, and, and um, is it a funeral or something? It's his and mother's shuts, funeral. Yeah, and he shuts the car door. Um, does the the chauffeur and just as he's about to move on to get into the front seat he kind of just looks into the window at Oliver Reed and gives him this kind of maniacal grin which looks so odd it's so unsettling um, yeah it's a it, it's a great movie you know, yeah. I, only, I, I, I saw it years ago but I, I was too young to get it years ago and, and I watched it again last week and uh, and you know, I had a hell of a lot of fun with it. And you know, it's some of those behind the scenes of what Karen Black and Lee Montgomery, the, who played the who played Davy, their son, uh, were saying is that Oliver would be plastered. You know, during oh, off shoots, legendary. <laughs> <got him> drunk. <laughs> he was a legendary drinker. You know, he was he was he was pissed more times than he was sober, particularly on his appearances on UK television. He was a monster for the booze, and he loved getting hit. So yeah, so, so he, much he, picking that, fights all the time. Yeah, and the one person on scene on set would, that would hit him all the time was Lee Montgomery's mother, because Lee would get drunk. Eleven year old boy, his, his entourage would feed him, would drink, give him wine, and he would get drunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And he'd be like, oh, she'd be like, how dare you give my son, you know? And everybody loved him. 
you know, um, Lee Montgomery as a boy. You know, they, they loved him because he would remember his lines, uh, of course, more than Polly Oliver did. You know, he, he, he's a good actor in this, but it's really creepy to see, you know, the father trying to protect his son. And yet the mother is so distant because we don't really don't see that in movies. You just the other way around where the fathers become the nuts, you know, and the mother being this protective, you know, uh, figure, a parental figure. Uh, we're this is where, you know, he's trying to save his son, you know, from this house, from the mother, because the mother is obsessed and loves his house more. And, you know, if people want to catch it, uh, check it out. It It's out there. It's on. I think it's on YouTube for free. Uh, burnt offerings 1976 it's there's no gore there's really not any blood except for maybe you know the a nose bleeding in a knee scrape but it's about a family being their life forces being sucked out of them to bring it back this house to its former you know glory we're led to believe as well that this isn't the first time this has happened it's happened throughout the ages it's like an old plantation house isn't it yeah, it's like uh, a mansion. But, yeah, yeah, and and yeah, it's it's over over different periods of time. It, it's become uh, you know completely dilapidated and and um, and it needs restoring. And the way that it does this is to to feed off of the inhabitants so that it gains its strength again. I think you and I were talking about that. Uh, this could definitely be remade today in the same yeah for sure same plot. Yeah, yeah. It it plays out. Um, I mean, again, it's another film which you know one of those movies that I love that has the darkest of endings. Uh, but it, it plays out like it's almost like an extended chapter in a Hammer anthology movie, the type of thing that you saw in the seventies that Hammer would produce, and it would be a kind of twenty-minute segment of a of a of a two-hour movie. It's like one of those that's been kind of fleshed out and made into a full-length movie. Um, and yeah, Oliver Reed can't go wrong for me. <laughs> <laughs> when you see this movie, just make sure you have a beer with you because I think he was a, a beer drinker. If I'm not, mistaken. yeah, for sure, and everything else. <laughs> Oliver Reed used to, I remember reading, used to drink this drink called Gunk, <laughs> uh, and Gunk was um, he would he would go into a pub and he would take a bucket in with him and he would have a shot of every single drink in the pub into the bucket and also half of every single beer or lager that was on draft a buffet he would fill this bucket up with this drink that he called gunk and would sit and drink that just dunking a pint glass in there and drinking it now now if people don't know who Oliver Reed is and you should know who Oliver Reed is he was actually uh, in the curse of the werewolf uh, Oliver Twist and his last movie Gladiator and he was the guy who put out his gladiators there to bet on, yeah. to win. Yeah, yeah. And that was his last role, which I understand wasn't. He he had Ridley was a, I think it was Ridley Scott who directed it. He had to work around Oliver's death in order to finish how his character. That's right. Uh, was later and it portrayed. was one of the one of the first ever um, digital effects sequences that that featured um, a star that had recently died. Um, and towards the end, you can see a sequence where as they've re- digitally reconstructed Oliver Reed's face just for one shot and one line of dialogue. But his best line of dialogue in that film is, You sold me queer giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> Those 
those giraffes you sold me, they weren't made. They just walk around eating and not mating. You sold me queer giraffes. I want my money back. And, and uh, in um, Burnt Offerings, when at the end, where he gets so scared to death is where they found out the uh, bar was closed. Oh, God, no! (laughs) What's next on your list? So, next on my list, I'm going to flip the order here. I'm going to do... 2009 uh, was the year this film came out by a director called Ty West, who's had a kind of interesting career, started off in in horror, did some great um, kind of low-budget horror stuff, and now seems to have sort of descended into kind of TV and just directed random episodes of different TV shows. But um, in 2009, he did a film called um, House of the Devil, which is set in 1983. And it stars Jocelyn Donahue, Greta Gerwig, of all people, who's now a, a big Hollywood major director. Uh, Tom Noonan, who played the Tooth Fairy in, in Manhunter, is the the creepy old guy in this film but basically it, it, it all um, stems around a babysitter who's trying to make ends meet uh, she's a student and um, she uh, she takes up a babysitting job for one night only in the creepiest of fucking houses now um, when the car pulls up outside I think I would have just like driven straight past I would never have got out and knocked on the door but for some reason she does she's with her friend what we learn at this point is that it's the night of a lunar eclipse and so the elderly gentleman who runs the house says look I need you to come tonight because um, I need, I've got a family gathering um, and what I'll do is I'll pay you double if you come tonight so she's tempted by this um, when she arrives with her friend she's kind of met at the door. The guy kind of looks like Riff Raff in, um, in Rocky Horror. Uh, he sort of invites them in and he's kind of hobbling around with a cane and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and he sits them down in the lounge and he says to her, what is your friend doing here? And she said, oh, don't worry. My friend's with me because she's just going to, she's dropped me off. She's going to stay for a little bit and then she's going to leave. He says, can I have a word with you in the other room? So he takes a Jocelyn Donahue into the other room and explains to her that it must be just her. And um, if she does this for him, he will pay her not only double, but he'll throw in another $300 on top of that. So she's getting $400 to babysit. But at the same time, he drops into the conversation that you're not only baby, you're not actually babysitting a child, you're babysitting my mother who lives in the attic. <laughs> So she's kind of really, really creeped out by this and decides that she'd do it anyway. Now, everything then just starts to go incredibly wrong. And the the atmosphere in this film, I mean, for one, the the way it's kind of stylized and shot, um, it it, it has the feel of a 70s or 80s movie, um, right down to the font on the the titles and everything. Um, But, you know... Slowly but surely, we start to realise that the the family of the house that she's in are satanic worshippers, and that 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 they're looking for their next sacrifice. Given that it's a, a, a lunar eclipse, so she has this battle in the house on her own against this insane family. It's a really it kind of got overlooked when it first came out. 
a lot of these kind of movies that just go straight to streaming or that have very limited theatrical runs people kind of look at them and go hmm, you know it's not really got any any real talent in there I've never heard of the director I'll give that one a miss you should check this out because it, it's it's made it's filmed really well the acting's great in it and you know as things get um, uh, start to ramp up in the movie you get a real kind of gore fueled last sort of 20 minutes it's uh, it's a really I think it's a really underrated gem and and and, and certainly sits within uh, the bracket of, of houses of horror or haunted houses. It's, it's a movie I haven't seen, so I'm definitely oh, going to check I, it out. You definitely, you definitely. I mean, you know, very similar themes to Burnt Offerings. Um, You've heard of it, yeah, know. with the, the mother in the attic. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm definitely going to check it out, because I, I, yeah. like, I like creepiness. I don't like yeah. it where there's like, oh my god, the chandelier moved or, or fell, you, you know. Well, actually, I shouldn't <laughs> say that, because... And House of Haunted Hill, sh- chandelier fell. But you know, I, I don't like you know people thinking there's ghosts and you know the ghost thing is getting for me is is getting tiresome. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't want to see you know sheets going around and, and with holes cut out, it's going boo. That's not me. I, I want to see something that realistically could happen. But you know, seriously, nothing realistically could happen on our list anyway. But. You know, I'm definitely going to check that out. I mean, is it is there a lot of gore in it? Yeah, I mean, the the last sort of half hour, as I said, gets particularly uh, particularly gory. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's it's well worth a watch. So, my last and final movie on my list, it may be a shock to our listening audience, and maybe to you, Darren, is Haunted Honeymoon from 1980. <laughs> This this is this movie Kate when this movie came out had Gene Wilder as Larry Abbott, the great Gilda Radner as Vicky Pearl, and Dom DeLuise as Aunt Kate. Aunt Kate in in drag. Excellent. He got a Razzie Award for this as the best actress in nineteen eighty nine. I did see it at the cinema actually when it first came out because they were married, weren't they, at the time? Chica this was Gene Wilder and yeah. Gilda Radner. Yeah, yeah. This was actually, unfortunately, uh, uh, Gilda's last movie. Yeah, because she got really sick with cancer. Yeah, and uh, and bless her. It, it had a it had a nine million dollar budget and it only made eight, and it was only in the theater for a week. Wow, it, it was it, it, it was Who terrible. Did it, Gene? Gene Wilder directed. I thought he did. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what I thought. And, and it, yeah. it's not—it's not scary at all. It deals with you know these old you know twenties, thirties radio shows that they used to have. Uh, you know, like those those theater shows they used to have on the radio for people to listen to at night. This guy, you know, he had a tragic uh, accident uh, in his childhood. He witnessed his mother die. Um, and it's affecting his love life uh, and his marriage is, is soon to be marriage with Vicky Pearl. Um, so the family all gets together for the wedding and decides they're going to scare him to death, almost like you were going to scare somebody to cure him from hiccups. <laughs> um, so all these little visions and all these all this uh, this makeup effects are happening all to scare him. So this is not a ghost story. It's 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 it's. It's in the setting of a haunted house, you know, or a haunted mansion, quote unquote. Uh, but it's a it's a place that he grew up in, you know, and it's it's as they call chiller comedy. 
And De Dom DeLuise in drag singing is hilarious. <laughs> uh, what more could you ask for? Yeah, you know. <laughs> and uh, it, 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 it has that, that 30s, 40s setting, I think, you know, I like that. You know, going back to when they had shoe covers that were white. <laughs> you yeah, know, to yeah. protect the laces. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> dancing and, and dancing in it and singing in it. And uh, I, uh, I adore this movie. I, I think it's I think it's fun. It's campy. And I'm surprised it didn't do too well, but I could see why, because back then they didn't people didn't understand the the horror comedy kind of aspect of it. You know, but seeing uh, seeing Gene and, and, and Gilda and Dom on screen, I mean that's worth the price of admission anyway. And the poster's yeah. fantastic too. You know, they're all got the candles, they're all scared, and there's Dom DeLuise in a wig scared too. <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, I remember watching going to the cinema to see it and and being slightly underwhelmed. I was really young though, I was probably confused. Like Thirteen, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, I think you know maybe nowadays if I watched it, I'd probably appreciate it more. Particularly with the two with with Gene Wilder and Gilda Radner being in it, um, who I you know I loved both of them. But that's why I was disappointed because you know I'd probably been to I'd probably gone to see it you know after seeing things like silver streak and stir crazy and you know that kind of stuff and then and then being slightly disappointed and sort of confused um by uh, by the haunted honeymoon and, and it's an all-star cast yeah a lot yeah. of uh, like the, the the actors from you know the 30s the 40s are in it you know and uh i put it on my list because like I said with my list, it doesn't deal with haunting of the of ghosts and, and spirits. It all had to do with the setting of that haunted house. And to me, Haunted Honeymoon. It has that setting of it being haunted. But it's not. It's about scaring some guy to death in order to cure him. What about you? What's the last on your list? So my last one, and this is going to be a shock to everybody because um, I'm actually going to do a film that came out last year. This cannot be ignored. Yes, yes, yes. 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 It's the end. Say goodbye. Is this supposed to be scary? <laughs> Want to see my face? Ah! 
And this is um, um, a little movie that came out last year called Haunt, um, which is directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods. This movie, I mean, it's set on Halloween. It's got this genuine Halloween vibe. And it's it's a bunch of kids that get together and decide to go to one of these pop-up um, haunted houses, one of these kind of like, almost like a fairground attraction that's kind of sort of uh, you know freestanding or an escape room that sort of thing. But as they sort of go around, they're being you know there's also kind of displays of different creepy things in there you know behind glass windows and, and railings and things like that you know little kind of as they walk around there's little snippets of I don't know somebody with an axe pretending to attack somebody little exhibits you know but as they as they progress through they start to realise that, that a lot of this stuff that they're seeing is actually for real and that they're being pursued by the, the guys it's, it becomes apparent that there's this kind of maniacal sort of carnival tour that that they're falling foul of and they all wear kind of creepy sort of halloween masks you know clowns and different monsters from being in a haunted house it slowly starts to merge into quite a nasty slasher film you know each one of the teens is getting taken out one by one the acting in it's really good the makeup effects are really good when the antagonists are masks are removed you find out that they're not kind of like normal looking people underneath they're actually uh, almost like people that belong in a freak show so you've got like kind of people that have had body modifications all sorts of weird piercings and you know those kind of guys that want to look like um, like a lizard or something like that they've got <laughs> yes. tongue piercings and their whole eyes have been dyed black and they're equally as disturbing underneath the masks as they are without with the masks on so yeah they're just pursued by this kind of crazed bunch of psychopaths um, who are just killing for real in the guise of what is essentially a sort of a horror or haunted house show. Uh, and I urge you to check it out. I think it's uh, it's kind of really, you know, Rotten Tomatoes has got it down for about 80-90%. So it was really kind of highly regarded when it came out. And, it, you know, it was a nice surprise. It's definitely worth a look. And, uh, and given that it's it's a really recent film, I thought I'd leave that to last and... and um, you know, it's our first sort of modern day movie that we've talked about. <laughs> Shame I, you I, haven't seen it. <laughs> I, actually, I, now that you're des- describing it, I've actually have seen this. Oh, you have? And, yeah, and I saw this on the network called the Sci-Fi Network. It's it's got to be heavily edited, you know, especially if it's just on regular TV. Um, oh, there's some horrible stuff in it. Yeah, um, I, I remember seeing it. So I'm gonna have to rewatch it again without it being edited because usually when something comes on a Sci-Fi Network, you know that I haven't heard about, I usually think it's a TV movie. You know, I'm just like, oh, this is horrible. Uh, but I'm definitely gonna check it out. You know, actually, it's it's released as what as as was intended to be. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna check it out again. But I yeah, do remember, you know, all those guys and the masks on and everything i do remember it yeah um you know what i i i think our list is actually quite solid for a a person who hasn't seen if they were going to check out any of these movies i think they'd be delighted yeah i think so and it does we're not falling for you know the reason I, i could have easily picked the shining but we're going to need to do a whole fucking episode on The Shining. We can't just something. That I don't think I have the strength. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're really when you talk about like things like The Shining, um, you know, and, and movies like that. It's to me they're highbrow. 
uh, I mean, they, they have, you got to discuss theory with them and, and, and everything. And, All different layers. Uh, and <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think we do have a nice solid list. I think anyone um, who's interested in watching some movies that are on the borderline of scary, but maybe don't want to see ghosts and witches and goblins and and, and maybe uh, just maybe a little bit of hint and blood, a hint of blood. You should check out you know Darren and I's list because it's it's a solid list. You know these are the ones that came to mind, and we didn't yeah. repeat ourselves. What are we doing after so, this? So next we're doing next week we are doing and this 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 has changed a few times for a, a number of reasons. But the movies that we've substituted will be done at some stage but we just felt that Invasion of the Body Snatchers had been covered quite a lot recently on, mm-hmm. on Dave McRae's channel so we decided to um, to kind of step back from that and maybe do something next year um, and we replaced it with The Thing <laughs> and then immediately after The Thing was um, appeared on Dave's channel which Frank and I are part of uh, so, so what we've done is we've decided to keep it with Carpenter and keep it with Kurt Russell and we're going to do Next week, Escape from New York, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. It's one of my favorite films. Oh, what can you say that's not good about Escape from New York? An, an actual cult classic by definition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Donald terrific. Pleasance as being president of the U.S., even though he's English. <laughs> <laughs> the Duke. Yeah, the Duke. Uh, you, I ain't number one. <laughs> ain't number one. I ain't number one. I ain't number one. I can't. Uh, it's going to be, yeah, that's going to be great fun. So, so we'll, yeah, we'll take a look at that. And then we've also got, I think, after that, we have, I think that's it for this year. Then I think we're going to do Die Hard, and and so we may well do something for Christmas Eve. We haven't decided yet, but um, we'll see how we go with it over the next few weeks. But it'd be nice to do a really a, a, a kind of true Christmas movie. Die Hard's kind of on the border of whether it's a Christmas movie or not but I guess we we should try to do something Christmas maybe Christmas and horror related um Lethal Weapon no <laughs> you know what you know what I think would be is going to be a good Christmas movie Gremlins Gremlins I think we should do Gremlins That's but we'll, we'll have a think about it yeah yeah we'll, alright so see. Uh, so as always stick to the roads and the best of luck 